Welcome to a uh, special episode of Super Fantastic Nerd Hour. This is Ali Matu, and uh, I am joined, as always, by my illustrious companion in all things nerdery, H.A. Com- Conrad. <laughs> Conrad, how's it going? Oh, it's going okay. We got some sad news yesterday, which is why we're doing this special episode. Yeah, this is a tough one for me, Conrad. We're um, going to be remembering Leonard Nimoy today and uh, sharing our top five Leonard Nimoy moments. Um, we're recording this on Saturday, February 28th, and yesterday we just got the uh, sad news that Leonard Nimoy passed away. Um, he was 83 years old. Um, how'd, you, how'd you hear the news? I there? actually heard it from you. Oh, yeah. And I immediately texted you because I knew that you were going to be having a really terrible day. And I felt, you know, I know that it sounds totally strange because, you know, it's he is a celebrity. He's an actor, but I think he's also an icon. It felt like my grandfather had died, quite honestly. Yeah. Um, he is sort of an elder statesman. Of, of things nerdery. I've always looked up to him and thought that he was such an incredible role model um, and human being. He's He's been outspoken about um, equal rights for women. And, you know, I, it was, it was a, a big loss. And I just, I always would get very happy when I would see him making uh, appearances, whether it was on the small screen like Fringe um, or in J.J. Abrams' new new imagining, reimagining of of Star Trek. So, or it, in Bruno Mars's lazy song, and that too, <laughs> that too. Um, he always seemed like somebody that was was up for anything and just seemed to have a great deal of joy in whatever he did. And so it was hard, and I was just. Um, I, admittedly, I was a little bit taken aback by my my own reaction to it. <laughs> so yeah, that, I kind of closed my office door and just took a few moments. So, um, but but I I will admit my primary concern was for you. <laughs> so <laughs> it was um, it, it was quite sad, and I, um, I I definitely hear what you're saying about uh, feeling like he is your kind of like a grandfather figure. In fact, he referred to his uh his friends on Twitter as his grandchildren. Um and he had definitely this uh elder statesman role. Um so much of what you're talking about, there's so many examples of that when, whether it's um Nichelle Nichols not being paid equally as the male actors mm-hmm. and advocating for that equal pay or wanting to make uh Star Trek 4 a movie that doesn't he said you know there's too much violence and too much um uh there's too much blood bloodlust and 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 all of that in these Star Trek films let's make a movie that doesn't have a uh specific villain and let's make it about some real issues let's make it about environmentalism and and these whales let's you know and he made that film he wrote it directed it there's so much to this individual's life um and, well, and also would, and also his other his other artistic endeavors outside of acting yeah. um he was an excellent photographer he put out several different photo books some of which were a bit controversial yeah um but one which i i don't know if you ever saw it but he did um basically a photo series 
which was with women that were not um, yeah. necessarily the, the cultural ideal. Um, they were the full body project. Yep, I think the full, what you're yeah. yeah, the full body. I was getting to it, Ali. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I'm doing my gosh, weirdo. No, <laughs> no. Um, and it wasn't just with that. He did another one um, with women that were. Um, were and and this is what I think he caught a little bit more more flack for, but they were um orthodox jewish women um and they were they were erotica photos, so you know it's and he's also struggled a lot with his identity as Spock and as as himself, and he wrote a couple of autobiographies or you know um I'm sorry. I am not Spock, and uh, then the I 70s, am Spock, and it was sort Spock of like, 90s, yeah. and it was sort of like you know he had to he had to come to terms with that. Um, but I just think that he was somebody that was, as I said, he was all in with everything. Um, and I had heard that he had been hospitalized, so earlier this week. Yeah, so I I but it was one of those things where you're kind of like, oh, he'll be okay cuz he's been hospitalized before, you know, and he yeah. he was ill and and you knew that, but still it was it was just heartbreaking. So Yeah, he he mentioned last year, just about a year ago that he uh was experiencing complications from smoking when he was younger and uh he did end up dying from those uh those uh complications and so i i found out by um actually Nguyen texted me um i was um <laughs> i was working on paperwork and uh, for work um obviously that's why they call it paperwork um and when i do that i sort of block all my social media and i set my phone to um to not alert and and i close up those windows because otherwise i'm not going to get this stuff done i i really hate doing paperwork um but i did get i did see a text on my phone from new Anne and i uh and she was at work and she works at sesame street and where there are apparently a lot of star trek fans um and they they found out that it was happening and sort of uh, the word spread throughout the office and Nguyen immediately texted me and I went online and that's when I found out. And um, it was, uh, you know, yesterday was a really tough day. It was really, really sad and I wasn't able to get through my paperwork. <laughs> that did not happen. So <laughs> sorry, boss, if you're listening, but uh, I didn't get that stuff done. Um, but what did happen is... You know, we were like all Trekkies yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think what surprised me most, you know, I expected to hear from certain people and I expected to talk to certain people. But uh, what I did not expect was just how many people who were Star Trek fans who weren't Star Trek fans, who I never thought really cared about Star Trek, were really impacted by this loss and were sharing their feelings on social media in real life. Um this uh, this guy at work who um, is a nice guy, we get along well, but we've never really talked about anything geeky. He um, sort of knocked on my door and said, "Hey, man, um, I think I think we have to talk about uh, Mr. Nimoy." And I was like, <laughs> "I was like, oh my gosh, I had no idea." And so we we kind of shared stories, and he talked about how he um, his parents were big fans of Next Generation, and while he didn't call himself a Trekkie, he loved it. 
He loved the show, and it's something that his family always did together. Um, and there were some really great um, uh, messages posted by so many people online. Um, you sent me um, uh, <laughs> the mistake. <laughs> the you big, sent me the mistake, which yeah. which my friend who posted that had said, "Wow, somebody's getting fired." <laughs> So that was ABC News. I believe in New York um, issued an alert saying um, Star Wars legend Leonard Nimoy has passed away, which you sent me then. And I'm like, no, not at this day. No, I know. I know. (laughs) But there were there were some really great messages. Um, uh, One of our our favorite individuals, Nathan Fillion, tweeted um, uh, Leonard Nimoy. I have been and always will be your fan. Thank you. Which I thought was such a sweet turn on his uh, his message from, or his quote from Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Mm-hmm. Um, NASA um, issued a great statement um, saying, as Mr. Spock, he made science and technology important to the story while never failing to show, by example, that it is the people around us who matter most. NASA was fortunate to have him as a friend and colleague. Um, there were so many messages. and um, Well, and I actually, uh, George Takei put up... Uh, his uh, Leonard Nimoy's last tweet, which I think was sometime this past week. Oh yeah, I think which, it's Tuesday or Wednesday, right? Which I thought was just really beautiful and very fitting, and it's you know makes me wonder if perhaps he he knew what was going to happen, which I'm guessing he probably did. Um, but it was a very uh, poignant statement, um, which is a poem, and and he has. Uh, you know, a part of his, <laughs> I, he is such, such like a Renaissance man. He's done so many things. Um, but he, he wrote this poem and it was, uh, it was something I saw right after I heard that he passed away and I kind of looked up what, to see what he had last tweeted and this was it. Uh, do you have it pulled up, Connor? Yeah, I do. Um, yeah. I didn't know if you wanted to say it. No, that's why, I, that's ahead. why I was holding off, Ollie. Um, <laughs> and it, and the last post was a life is like a garden. Perfect moments can be had, but not preserved except in memory. L L A P, which, you know, I always get from you, Ollie. Yeah. It's, <laughs> so, it's how we sign off the show, live long and prosper. Right. Um, and, and, you know, it's interesting. I don't know if you saw the Verge article, which was uh, a dedication. And no, I didn't see it's, that one. And it's, it's basically by Brian Bishop at the Verge. And he is, he talked about that last post. And then he was talking about, um, you know, the fact that his dad was and is a huge Star Trek nerd and had watched all of these things. And it's, you know, similar stories to what you and I have, Ali. Like one of his early earliest memories um, from being a geek fandom is when when he was like um, he was tracking down a script for the original Star Trek pilot. And he, he got and read it and then was excitedly sharing that with his father. The fact that he... Um, you know, that that Spock had emotions in this script, the cage, which was, you know, not what eventually happened. And, you know, so it, it's I think he's part of a lot of people's memories like that um, and not yeah. just with Star Trek, but other things as well. And because he was so present, I don't feel like he ever faded into the background. No, no, he really didn't. Um, he was, you know, Leonard Nimoy was Spock and Spock is Star Trek. I think that that is the character that embodies 
everything Star Trek is about. And it's a character that's been ever-present um, and a character that has been revitalized and a character that will be here forevermore. You know, this is the character who is um, – He's half human, half Vulcan. He comes from two different planets. He's a character who is um, struggling to better himself, who is, who is trying to figure out how does he integrate these two different cultures. Um, and through that experience of integrating his Vulcan side and human side, he becomes the most important character in the Star Trek universe. You know, his uh, Leonard Nimoy's character is the only one, only character who has existed in all iterations of Star Trek from the original series to the next generation with the episodes Unification Part 1 and 2. And then in the new Star Trek, he's the one who made it all possible and he's wielded more influence. This is a character that shows us if you're able to integrate the different experiences of your life, then wonderful things are possible. I mean, he... he, He's a constant. <laughs> really, He's the constant, and yeah. I hate you know. And it's this is I, I don't mean to keep going back to this article, and I think we should post it in the in the show notes because it is there's some really nice yeah. observations here. But one of the things that Brian Bishop says, he's like, it's it's um, while I can't say I had the pleasure of meeting or interviewing Nimoy, he was ne- he nevertheless felt like a continual presence in my life. That can happen with media personalities, of course. You see somebody on the television every day, and you begin to think that you know them. You follow the ups and downs of a fictional character, and you become emotionally bonded to them. Nimoy was something slightly different, though, a star in the media constellation that remained forever constant, true north. Mm. Mm. And really, I think that that is exactly how I'm feeling right now. Um, And you're right. Like, with all those things, he tied those things together. And so it became, and even outside of the Star Trek universe, um, for example, I, did you ever follow, you didn't finish watching Fringe, did you, Ali? No, no, I saw the pilot and that was it, but I know I, he I, was, uh, he was well, an important character in that He show. was, but I will tell you, I, when he first appeared on screen... I had such an emotional reaction to that. I was so happy. <laughs> I was so happy to see him and the fact that he was the one playing this character yeah. that I was like, all right, I am all in. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was just like this great moment because I really, I, I just knew that that this was going to be such a the great rest of the series. And yeah, there was parts of the series I had problems with, but overall I really enjoyed it. But I feel like the moment where I started enjoying it more was when he made his first appearance. So yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I didn't. I, I just think that because of that impact, it's. And you're right. It's interesting to see how many people I wouldn't expect to even really think about this to be. And I've been seeing their posts and their tweets and things like that. And there's people that have come out of the woodwork as Star Trek fans that I never expected. <laughs> Which I loved. I loved seeing that. I yesterday. kind of love that. Oh, I mean, including our president. Obama said... Oh, uh, I knew he was a Star Trek fan. Come on. We knew he was a Star Trek fan. But when when the White House issues a statement on the passing of of an individual, it's a a big deal. And Obama said, uh, long before being nerdy was cool, there was Leonard Nimoy. Leonard was a lifelong lover of the arts and humanities, a supporter of the sciences, uh, sciences, generous with his talent and his time, and of course, Leonard was Spock. Cool, logical, (laughs) big-eared, level-headed, the center of Star Trek's optimistic, inclusive vision of humanity's future. I loved Spock. Um, I mean, that sums it up. 
mm-hmm. right there. Um, Mr. President, you did a, a really fantastic job right there. And that's, uh, um, you know, this character um, meant a lot to me. He was, um, so I, I shared the story <laughs> on our Valentine's Day episode about going to a Star Trek convention when I'm in like fourth or fifth grade, being super excited about it, having just discovered Star Trek by watching Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, and then watching um, Star Trek The Next Generation and just kind of consuming that. And then going to my first Star Trek convention, um, my parents let me go to this convention in San Jose, California. And I went there on a uh, Sunday, I believe. And Sunday uh, was the day Leonard Nimoy was there. And I go to this and I want to be really cool and I want to fit in. So I take off my glasses because I don't want anyone to think I'm a nerd. I I want all these Trekkies to embrace me, which is such a (laughs) silly idea since so many people there had glasses. But it was Leonard Nimoy that was speaking. And while I didn't really get a good look at him because I didn't have my glasses on, I was sort of mesmerized and on the edge of my seat, um, hearing him share all these stories about being on Star Trek and, and what it's meant to him and, and what the fandom means to him and his journey um, to understanding the character. And shortly after that, I went home um, and uh, I think, well, actually, I think it was a few years later where I um, read his memoir, I Am Spock, the second memoir. And this character really became... I think this character is a hero for many, for for lots of different reasons. One, uh, for me, was really that he lived in these different worlds. He was Vulcan. He was human. And it's by learning to integrate these that he became such an important figure in the Star Trek universe. Um, you know, there's uh, there's this great literature on code switching, which is basically anyone who grows up bilingual um, gets very, very good at being able to switch the way you think and the way you understand based upon the context you're in and the people you're talking to. So, you know, it's it's kind of like how you and I talk, Conrad, is different from how we talk to our bosses, mm-hmm. which is different from how we talk to family members, which is different than how we talk to kids, and then different I, from I, how we talk I, to I dogs. I don't know, Ali. You, I consider you to be family. Absolutely. Oh, well, you know, in, in, <laughs> if you have certain family members around you, you might be talking a little bit differently. Um, but all of that is code switching. And people who grow up in a bi- bicultural, bilingual environment are really, really good at that. And I think that's something that Spock shows us is um, an ability to be able to understand people and switch your how you talk to them. Um, very, very quickly. That's why I think the character becomes an ambassador who bridges the worlds of uh, of the Klingon Empire and of the Federation. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and then later on, which sets up um, Star Trek's The Next Generation's episode Unification, and then later, Star Trek 2009, he's trying to bridge the worlds of Romulus and mm-hmm. Vulcan. And, uh, you know, I know I'm geeking out pretty hard here, but this is... That really... That was kind of a hero to me. That that idea um, that that Spock embodies is that I too 
as, you know, someone whose parents are from Pakistan but grow, grew up in America. And I felt a lot of culture clash when I was a kid. But then I saw this character of Spock and I'm like, wait a minute, he was able to do it. And I, I wrote an article about that, the psychology of Spock, past, present, and future. And um, that's kind of what that one's all about. But then I wanted to ask you if you saw the, um, the BuzzFeed article. BuzzFeed had a lot of uh, Leonard Nimoy articles going around. But the, did. his advice to a teenage girl, did you see this one? I did not see that. Oh, Conrad, I got to You got to. You got to see this. So, um, basically, um, an individual um, who wrote into um, to Leonard Nimoy and said, um, "I know you are half Vulcan and half human, and you have suffered because of this." Uh, wrote this individual signed Elsie, uh, um, and she was asking for advice for. Um, what do you do if you feel like you don't fit in? And Leonard Nimoy wrote, um, Spock said to himself, not everyone will like me, but there will be those who will accept me just for what I am. I will develop myself to such a point of excellence, intelligence, and brilliance that I can see through any problem and deal with any crisis. I will become such a master of my own abilities and career that there will be a place for me. People of all races will need me and not be able to do without me. And that's just what he did, talking about Spock. And you know, I think Spock was a, um, for anyone who's felt different, does anyone, for anyone who's felt strange or odd or like they don't completely fit in, I think Spock was a hero. And I think he was. Yeah. And, I, and, and as you were talking about bridging, being a bridge, I think he was also a bridge in different ways, too. And because of his continual ties to the Star Trek um, universe and to... Uh, even in the new in the new um, reimaginings of them, um, I don't know if you saw any of what Zachary Quinto had to say. Yeah, about him, yeah. and I think that he was a bridge also for old fans and new fans to to Absolutely. say it was okay. It's okay that we're doing this. It's okay. It, it means that we're opening up um, this wonderful world to even more people. Um, and I thought that he was, and he did a ton of appearances and press appearances with Zachary Quinto on, um, like a few different talk shows and things like that. And, um, it just, it struck me how incredibly generous he was when we have sometimes seen other people not be quite as generous. <laughs> I'm not going to name names. Um, but, but, you know, and, and Zachary Quinto even said that Leonard Nemo was a mentor to him. He, yeah. he was, um, and he's been putting up a few different things and, and talking about him quite a bit. But I just think that that's such a testament to uh, the impact and the kind of person he was. Um, Absolutely. You know, it, it, there's so many great stories about that. When um, at San Diego Comic Con back in, I believe it was 2007, when J.J. Uh, Abrams was making an announcement about the um, the next Star Trek film, and uh, <laughs> they had Zachary Quinto backstage, and they were going to announce the cast, um, or at least um, a couple of the primary leads. We we didn't know exactly what was going to be announced, but we knew it was a big deal. And so what happened is J.J. Uh, Abrams brought out Zachary Quinto, 
who um, is amazing. And at the time, he was um, he was known for heroes and playing the villain in there, and he's so deliciously evil. Well, and it's also interesting just because you know uh, George Takei was on Heroes too. So Zachary oh, Quinto, yeah. Zachary Quinto had quite quite. Uh, he had he had some some good people to act with. Michelle I think. Nichols was was also on. Oh, she on, was also in Heroes too, right? Yeah, yeah, she was also on there. So he brings out Zachary Quinto, and everyone is going crazy because this guy's so popular, and he looks just like Spock. And and AJJ Abrams says um, uh, Zachary Quinto will be playing the role of Spock, and everyone goes crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Flashing the Vulcan salutes and all of that, and then he goes. But he's not the only person playing Spock. And then he brings out right. Leonard Nimoy. And now everyone's going crazy. Right. Um, but the, the my favorite part of that story is backstage was Leonard Nimoy's wife. And she was looking at the two of them. And she's like, this is really freaky. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Quinto, you look just like a young Leonard Nimoy. And we were so, so, as fans of Star Trek, we were so fortunate not only to have an amazing, um, young, talented actor take on the role of Spock, but to have Leonard Nimoy be a part of that process and for uh, to have them both look like each other. Um, he, I have no doubt that Leonard Nimoy saved Star Trek here. He made uh, – that whole film relies upon Leonard Nimoy's character of bridging these uh, these parallel universes. Yep. And um, it, it, I, I believe the, the, the writers of uh, that film and J.J. Uh, Abrams went to Leonard Nimoy's house and said, here's our script. We can't do this without you. Will you come back to Star Trek one more time to to revitalize it for the future? And Conrad, that's like you said, that's exactly what he did. Right. He made not only made Star Trek relevant again for a whole new generation, just like what Star Trek: The Next Generation did when it came out, but he he made Spock cool again, and he introduced Spock into the public consciousness in a way that he hadn't been around for for quite some time. Um, and I think that's where you're talking about. He's, you know, he was a statesman on Star Trek, his character, and he was a statesman for for Star Trek off screen. He brought it back in in many ways, and then a major supporter of science and the arts. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, someone who we hear a lot about STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math, but um, he was really a supporter of STEAM. But if you put the A in there for arts. Um, well, you know, at, at a time, because we mentioned his photography earlier, for a while he actually was thinking about giving up acting entirely and just focusing on photography. Yeah. Um, and some of his, some of his, you know, his, there's been several gallery shows that showed his work. His work is really interesting and amazing. Um, and he really, uh, and uh, of course we also cannot forget, uh, his, his music endeavors as well. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <of> which, <laughs> Bilbo Baggins, the there's that, up. and I and I threw up a link uh, earlier today with his cover of um, "I Walk the Line" uh, <laughs> of Johnny Cash fame. Um, there was this total phase where he did a ton of music, and right? And he was it, just, you know, I think he had a sense of humor about it. The Bilbo Baggins video, I have to say, whoever was styling him in that <laughs> gets two thumbs up because he had some nice little uh, leisure suiting going on and. 
I, I was enjoying that as well. But and he supported the he supported other artists as well, which yeah. I think is is the very important piece of this. Um, he was just exemplary, I think, in how he, he did that. How, um, he talks about how he was a photographer. Um, there's a great interview about him um, kind of bridging these worlds as a photographer. And he says, you know, I, I've been taking photos since I was 10 years old. Right. Uh, I've been doing this longer than I've been doing everything else. And um, it's really interesting to hear him talk about this. Because look, he, he we all know him as an actor, but he was also a director, which involves um, cinematography and, and being able to tell stories behind the lens. But he he talks about how the challenge of a photographer is to instantly tell a story that all you have is one image, one frame to communicate an entire story. And if you look at his work, he he's really able to do that, and especially in what he was doing um, about uh, ideas about beauty. And what we find to be beautiful, um, I, th- I think he was doing some really interesting stuff there. Uh, it, it's um, gosh, what was I going to say, Conrad, about um, about Leonard here? Um, oh, yeah, the other thing I wanted to say about his character of Spock, you know, it's Conrad. We've I've been kind of saving up all my trekkiness for a Nerd Hour episode where we kind of really do a deep dive into Star Trek. I, I never thought it would. this would be the episode. But as you can tell, I, could, I have a lot to say about Star I Trek. I know. And one of the things about that, that we take for granted now about Spock is uh, something that um, Charlie Jane Anders highlighted in uh, their, review, uh, their obituary that just appeared on io9 um, yesterday. And I really like what, uh, what Anders is saying here. Here. Um, so just a quote from, from this obituary. Uh, Nimoy was playing a common science fiction type, the impassive alien, and he took it to a different place. Before Spock, science fiction was full of emotionless aliens who spoke in a monotone or imitated a stereotypical computer inflection. Nimoy gave a whole range of nuance to the Vulcan role, conveying a lot of different stuff with every raised eyebrow or furrowed brow. Nimoy Spock never seemed to have emotions as we understood them, but he still had a range in moods. A huge host of sympathetic aliens on television owe their genesis to Spock. There's a reason why fan fiction started with story and later on continues. There's a reason why fan fiction started with stories about Kirk and Spock. They provided a way to envision masculinity and male friendship that was deeper and richer and sometimes stranger than what was otherwise available. And I think those are two major legacies to science fiction. Um, that that we have to thank to uh, to Spock. That this very nuanced very complicated, very tender depiction of a character that could have otherwise been a big joke. No, absolutely. And um, I think he, even before he took that role, one of the things that he has often said is that he, the role came along and he had, he struggled in his head about it. Um, I don't know if you have seen some of what he said. Yeah. Um, and basically said that, you know, up until that point, he had had different, different acting things. He was definitely a struggling actor. I wouldn't say like he, he was getting work, but it wasn't like, you know, it it was a, it was a competitive business. Um, 
and he was, um, you know, like 35 years old, I think, when he got that role. Yeah, sounds about right. Which is, you know, working as a working performer. It's, you know, I think everybody forgets that that's, you know, it, it is a struggle. It's not an easy, it's not like this just fell into his lap. It didn't. And then when it did, it's, you know, <laughs> this, it's this question. And, um, he, um, well, and it, it wasn't surefire. Some people in the studio thought, well, this guy kind of looks like the devil. Are we sure we want to have this character? Well, well, right. And then, um, but even for him, it was this, okay, so if I take this role, am I going to be a joke? Is it going to be good? I don't know. Um, and one of the things that he said, um, was that a friend of his named Marsha Tucker had always said, you should you should really do what scares you. And I'm probably not quoting that exactly. And because mm. it scared him, he was like, I'm going to do it. And he even drew parallels between that um, and being, you know, an alien in the United States. His parents were immigrants. Yeah. Um, yeah. And as you talked about living in this, this dual culturality, it, like this dual culture, basically between his family and then what he was dealing with because he grew up in Boston. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, he felt like he had a lot to add to this role. And I think because of the way he played it, I think that is absolutely in what part of the success was based upon in addition to all the writing and, and the idea behind this show. Um, you know, most people I don't think realize how short-lived Star Trek the series was mm -hmm. because it feels uh, iconic, you know. Um, but... I, I you're totally right. The, the genesis of this character is such an integration between what Gene Roddenberry, the creator of Star Trek, envisioned, and um, and Spock. Uh, I mean, not Spock, and <laughs> whoopsies, and Leonard Nimoy, um, and and his personal experience. And you're right, being the child of of immigrants of of, uh, of Jewish immigrants who came to this country feeling different, he wove that in. There's a great well, and also he before this time, I don't. This was definitely his moment. This was when he became a celebrity. Mm -hmm. Before that, he was definitely not a celebrity. This this became his his character, what people most identified him with all his life. I think he did a very good job at separating those two things and was able to to do things on his terms. Um, but it's it's this was was that character and i think because so many people identified with it and identified with it not in the way that i think maybe initially it was received as like later on um in terms of being this um he he was really just this outsider and i think a lot of people the character was and i think a lot of people identified with that and yeah um and it, it, he was sell his Different perspective was a strength. Right. Absolutely. Uh, there, there's a great, um, great story uh, from this NPR interview. We'll put this in the show notes. We're, we're going to put a ton of stuff in the show notes. There's going to be a lot in the show notes. There's, there's going to be a lot of stuff there. But he's talking about, uh, they're interviewing Leonard Nimoy, and he's talking about how um, the word, uh, his way of saying fascinating uh, came about. <laughs> and basically, there's I sometimes a, feel like Bill Wadman is channeling is Leonard Nimoy because little, he says spot. interesting quite a yeah, bit. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's his fascinating it's only logical. 
Conrad. Right. Um, so basically, uh, the, uh, there was a scene where everyone on the bridge was reacting to this, uh, this alien entity outside. And everyone was reacting the same way. And Nimoy said, fascinating. And then dr- the director stops the take and turns to Nimoy and says, um, you, you got to say it in a way that's different from everyone else. And Nimoy says, I mean, quote, I think in that moment, a very important aspect of the character was born. And I think that's exactly gets to what you were saying, Conrad, is there was a different way in which he saw the world, his character, Spock, and that was celebrated. And one of my favorite examples of that is the episode Devil in the Dark. Um, For people who haven't seen it, it's an episode where everyone... Everyone basically is seeing this alien as a um, as a threat, as an enemy. And over the course of the episode, Spock discovers that this alien entity is trying to protect um, her children. And and it's a little Doctor Who. It is a little Doctor Who. Yeah, it is. And it's it, it, that reminds me of so many of the, my favorite moments with. Leonard Nimoy and the character Spock, where he's very empathetic. You know, there's uh, there's this misnomer among Vulcans. Again, I'm going to geek out here for a moment that they don't feel emotion, and that's not it at all. They have very strong, very powerful, very turbulent emotions. They deeply feel things, and it's the Vulcan meditation that sort of helped them to mm-hmm. to control and master this. Spock is an individual who is deeply empathetic. And we see this again in Star Trek, uh, for the, um, the voyage home when he mind melts with the, with the whales. Um, this is a character who feels deeply see things from different perspective and that different perspective is celebrated. Uh, and you're right. He, um, he worked very hard, had a lot of odd jobs. He was in the army, did many things. He had a whole life before he was Spock. And I think that's part of what led to uh, him writing I Am Not Spock, his first memoir, which was um, him talking about his struggle with the character. And a lot of people don't get to the end of the book, but the end of the book, he's he's t- talking about how he's um, – integrated both of the characters and how he says, um, if given the choice to be any other person, I would choose Spock. Um, and, and that's one of the reasons why he wrote his follow-up, I Am Spock, later on, uh, because a lot of fans had a hard time dealing with a book called I Am Not Spock from Leonard Nimoy. Um, but there's uh, so much to this individual's life and and uh, just his presence on social media, Conrad, uh, he would send out so many tweets, uh, and some of them were just kind of like, Hey, how's everyone doing? And he'd actually <laughs> respond to some of them. And then on some of them, he would say, um, Hey folks, don't smoke. It really has impacted me, you know? And then, uh, on other ones, he would just, uh, he talk about where the Vulcan uh, salute came from. And he talks about his experience uh, going to synagogue and, and this blessing happening and his father saying, don't um, close your eyes, don't look, um, you're not supposed to look. And he sort of opened his eyes and was fascinated by what was happening. Uh, see, I just did it right there, Conrad. Mm-hmm. He was fascinated by it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where the what the the individuals were holding up um, was the Hebrew letter Shin. Um, which 
ended up becoming uh, the Vulcan greeting in the episode Amok Time. When in the script, I think it was listed that Spock and T'Pau at this Vulcan ceremony would sh- uh, shake hands. And uh, Leonard Nimoy went up to the writer, the director at the time, and said, um, Vulcans, no, we should give them something special, something different. And um, that it became this, uh, this Jewish blessing became the Vulcan salute. And uh, Which, by the way, I have a really hard time doing the Vulcan salute with my left hand as opposed to my right hand. Oh, <laughs> really? Oh, well, that makes that sense. Isn't that weird? No, that makes sense. Are you right-handed? I am, but still, it's 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 kind of weird whenever you try to do it. So you have most people. If you're right-handed, you're going to have more dexterity and more fine motor control in your right hand. So it makes sense that you are able to do it uh, better with one hand. I can do it instantly with both hands. Of course, you can. Because you practice. <laughs> I've been practicing <laughs> since like the age of like ten. Um, no, even younger than since like the age of eight. I've been practicing this. So no, I can uh, I can immediately do it. But yeah, you know the funny story about that, Zachary. Quinto has a very hard time doing it. They have to tape his fingers together. Yes, I know. I saw when, that when he's filming, <laughs> um, which is which is which is just a lovely little story. Um, well, are, so are much. You, there, there's so many different so things. So much to love so, about Leonard Nimoy. Um, but it's, speaking of which, are you ready to jump in to your top yeah. five moments? Yeah, le- yeah. Let's let's do that. Um, um, so this was really hard to do, Conrad, and I, I tried to pick the things that I find most memorable and most stick out um, to me. And I'm, I'm going to be shooting out some uh, rapid fire honorable mentions at the end, too. Um, I figured you would be. Um, yeah. I also I tried to pick things, not, you know, the obvious things um, and things that I just remembered about him that that just stuck out for me. Um, and I think I outed myself on at least one of them during our discussion. Um, <laughs> but, um, but I would like you to launch into the top five. So what's your number five? Top five Leonard Nimoy moments must begin for me with probably the first thing I was ever exposed to that he had a hand in. And that, of course, my dear friend Conrad is Transformers Heroes in Disguise. Um, as most that people, is the first. That's number five. Well, no, but that's the first time you ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I discovered Star Trek with Star Trek VI: The Undiscovered Country, and that was like 1991, oh. 1992. The first. I get. I guess in my head, I always think of you as being sort of raised up on Star Trek. From I wish. Like, from like from like toddler state. So <laughs> I always forget no, that it was that a little is- later. That is what will happen to my children if I, if I do have children. <laughs> um, so he, miss, some people remember and some people don't. He was the voice of uh, Galvatron in Transformers, the movie, something I watched a lot over and over again as a kid. And then many, many, many years later in the not so good Transformers Dark of the Moon or whatever that third Transformers was called, he was a Sentinel Prime making a return to the Transformers universe, which kind of speaks to what you were saying, Conrad, about how he's always down for anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he's got a great voice. He's a great voice uh, actor. Um, some of the best episodes of Star Trek The 
animated series are about Spock, and he does a wonderful job there. Uh, and he also did um, a bunch of audiobooks. There, there's one where it's Q versus Spock, which is a great listen if you haven't heard of it. But it, it all kind of started, his, his voice work kind of started with uh, Transformers, the movie, and uh, I loved it. Um, I that was unexpected. I'll admit, <laughs> I was I was expecting a little something else, but but totally makes sense. Um, and I also love Transformers, so Transformers. You know. Um, More that was going to be that was going to be in my honorable mentions. Um, but cool. um, so my number five, well, I was remembering that um. The first time I was trying to remember the first time I had ever like remembered seeing Spock and the, the, my exposure to that particular character and to Leonard Nimoy, um, and that would be uh, Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan um, because my father took me to see this, yeah. and it was I'll, I will own up to the fact that this was admittedly a traumatic experience. <laughs> because specifically because of the earworm featured in that particular foam. Oh my gosh, so scary. It was so scary. Um I was so upset by it. I I had to be taken out of the theater while that part was going on and then I came wow. back. But what I do remember of that film is oh, that Oh, that's so cute. Isn't that <laughs> I was so upset. Um and um as a, like as a, a character um you know, this was, it's interesting given the fact that what J.J. Abrams has chosen to do with his new films. Sure, with Into Darkness. Right. Um, So it was, um, it was this character of Spock. So this is the first time I had ever, ever really seen him, which is an interesting thing given what happens in Wrath of Khan. Sure. I mean, I think we can mention it. The statute of limitations okay. has expired. Sorry. I know. I know. Pod. Look at me still you trying not to give spoilers. This, right. But so, but Spock dies in this film, and I also this was also traumatic for me because as watching this film, I found this character to be extraordinarily comforting. <laughs> And so I'm watching this, and I think my poor dad re- totally regretted taking me to this because I was like, I was like bawling at the end of it. It was terrible. Um, and then my dad was assuring me, "No, no, it's going to be okay." And um, and Look, after Spock existed, all these other episodes and this one other well, movie that's you know kind of bad. You know what he did? Um, so after this, he had he had. Um, Oh, I feel like he had, there was like, he had Star Trek. It was like, it was either on tape or something or whatever. And, um, he, he was just like, look, look, he's still alive. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) So I was just like, but I was definitely, I was inconsolable (laughs) about this. So that's my, that is my number five, even though it's a somewhat traumatic moment. The Wrath of Khan. And, and, and just being like uh, immediately obsessed with the character of Spock. So and and terrified, uh, <laughs> and absolutely terrified by a certain person's chest <laughs> in this film, <laughs> Ricardo Montalban and his his superhuman uh, right. augmented chest. You know, uh, and which is all natural. That was Ricardo Montalban's chest, as unnatural as Khan is. That was his completely natural uh, chest, um, it, which is. Fascinating. Uh, Fascinating. Anyway, no. So that's <laughs> so, that's my number five. Uh, well, that's your number five. It's my number one. 
<gasps> really? Yeah. Well, I have another number one, but you know, I, I tried to be a little bit less traditional in this in this I, memory. Oh, there's, I gotta go with Wrath of Khan, and I don't know why I did this to myself, but last night I had to watch Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan, Aww. and it was, I was full of so many illogical, unpredictable human emotions at the end of that of of that film. But so why why it's number one for me? Um, you know, other people have have so many people have sung the praises of Wrath of Khan. It's widely regarded as the best Star Trek film. And what's cool about this is there were rumors of Spock being killed off in this film um, in the lead up to it. Uh, Leonard Nimoy wasn't good. So before uh, before they made Star Trek the motion picture, there was going to be Star Trek Phase 2, this new TV series, and Leonard Nimoy said, I'm not going to be involved in it. And then that got, tr- then Star Wars came out and Paramount's like, oh, we need a sci-fi movie. What do we got in our uh, in our sort of uh, content? And then that's how Star Trek the motion picture came to be. It was a recycled um, or it was kind of what the pilot was for Star Trek Phase 2. Anyways, uh, Spock returns in uh, the motion picture, and people weren't sure if he was going to be in there. And then when Wrath of Khan was coming along, Leonard Nimoy had made some comments, which made people wonder if um, if Spock was going to be here and if he was going to be killed off. So that's one of the reasons why that there's that wonderful Kobayashi Maru sequence, mm-hmm. and we see Spock dying in that sequence and that was sort of to throw off the audience a bit but what's so amazing but by the time you get to the end of that uh film nicholas meyer's wonderful tender direction sort of the Mm -hmm. camera turning you know uh khan has been killed the genesis device has gone off the enterprise has warped out miraculously people don't know how the warp drive was repaired and then uh you hear scotty say uh captain you better come down here and the camera turns to uh, the sign station where spock was sitting and the chair is empty empty oh and it's terrible (laughs) and we're following and we're following and there is that such a uh, emotional moment where Spock is inside um, and and Shatner and Shatner's Kirk is outside and um, it's too late and Spock says I have been and always shall be your friend and James Horner's beautiful beautiful score mm-hmm. um, is just so tender at that moment that is um, I, I agree with Slate magazine when they say or not a magazine but Slate.com when they say that is the best Star Trek scene ever um, well and I will also say although this is on my number five I honestly can't really throw a rank onto any of this stuff sure yeah. <laughs> like this is kind of a an all the number one thing as well, well it, but. it's i mean it's star trek's greatest hero sacrificing himself for the betterment of his crew to defeat star trek's greatest villain um th- that's what it's all about there um is individuals pushing the the human race forward and um and and then the the funeral scene it was oh, so it's so emotional it's... to watch it last night, Conrad. It's 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 going to have a new. Uh, um, it's going to resonate differently now. But when when Kirk says, "Of all the souls I've ever met, his was the most human," mm-hmm. and he chokes up, um, Leonard Nimoy said in an interview, "I got choked up. I was crying right along with everyone else in the theater." Um, it's it's a it's Star Trek at its best right mm-hmm. there. Um, I I love that scene. It's it's my number one. I I completely agree with you on that one. 
Yeah. On all of these, really. Like, how can you disagree? (laughs) So what's your number four? Um, My number four is um, actually it's it's something that I I don't know if um, if my number four is actually when he appeared as William Bell on Fringe. Mm. As I said, I, I outed myself a little bit there. Um, and part of why I picked this is because, as I said, he is a constant. He is somebody that, you know, when whenever he would appear, there would be this moment where you're like, oh my gosh, this is going to be good, you know? <laughs> um, and up until that point, I was watching Fringe. I liked some of it. I think that there's some interesting things that they do with Fringe and writing and storytelling. Um, but up until that point, I was kind. I was still kind of like, oh, I'm not sure. I, I could kind. I don't want to say I could take it or leave it, but I was comfortable missing several episodes of it before catching up again. Um, and there is this really amazing moment, and I do not want to give spoilers about what sort of surrounds when he when he appears because I feel like the statute of limitations still isn't up on this especially. Yeah, I, think, I think there's a lot of people probably haven't seen Fringe. Right. So that's, that's and so if people to... so if people want to enjoy it, I do not want to spoil it. But I will say that when he shows up as the character of William Bell and his interaction um with with one of the other actors on the in this particular scene there is a moment where you're like, oh my goodness, things just got real. <laughs> and <laughs> so I and I had honestly such a feeling of joy when I saw him that I had to add it to this list. Can can viewers just pick up from the moment he he joins that show? Or- I don't think so. I think you have to watch some of it going up to that. So you have to slog through a little bit. I don't know that you need to slog through all of it, but you at least need to see perhaps everything in that particular season that leads up to that. Okay. So, uh, you know, it's, but I will tell you, it's just such a great thing. Um, and there's such a nuance that he adds to that character. And it just, just by realizing that it's who it is playing this character adds so much to that show. Um, cool. So, and that's, I'm being a little bit vague about it, but that's just my personal opinion. So I just think, Go for it. And this is why I was very surprised that you didn't get into it, Ali. So anyway. (laughs) Um, My number four is uh, a little bit of a cheat, but it's Nimoy behind the scenes. Nimoy behind the camera. And so uh, I'm kind of picking him. Wait, three men and a baby? Is this what you're picking? (laughs) Well, so there's uh, three men and a baby. Um, there's a Star Trek for the voyage home and there's his career as a photographer. I think this, what's so cool about Leonard Nimoy is, um, he could be in front of the camera and he could be behind it as well. And, and in both ways he could produce great art. Um, and many people don't realize that nice, nice one, Conrad, that, that he did a uh, three men and a, and a baby. Um, He's uh he was a talented individual on both sides and uh, made one of my favorite Star Trek films um and wrote that and you know directed it so um a guy with with many talents um and also well this is i would say if you're talking about you mean behind the camera or outside of the acting stage is that where you're going <laughs> Well, I was specifically saying behind the camera, so his his role as a director and a photographer. Okay. Um, but yeah, there's all the other stuff that he did, and he kind of produced. Um, and well, he produced. 
I was going to say his role in other other avenues. Um, and you mentioned this in your earlier your earlier uh, chat about him, but um, his fight for uh, um, Nichelle, um, Nichelle Nichols, Nichols, the Nichols. Uh, equal pay. Yeah. Well, the equal pay. And, you know, we mentioned that, but I think it just, I think we should at least give it a little bit more weight here. And this is, I mean, at the time, because this is in the 60s, and he's just an actor on this sci-fi ch- show, and he basically went to bat for her and made sure she got yeah. the same pay that the other actors were getting, which was unheard of. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I just think that that's, um, you know, it, it was a pretty, it not like it's an impressive move and an unexpected move. And, you know, especially given the politics that were going on surrounding the show, it was a very risky move. But it's probably a move only Spock could make because you, you couldn't exactly re- <laughs> you couldn't exactly replace him, right? So no, and, and there's a lot that he's done. I mean, if we just he was think a of- feminist, absolutely. He, oh, absolutely. He was, you know, and we've seen that through other things. And, and he was a good friend with with all those individuals. Um, in William Shatner's uh, memoir that came out recently, he talks about how um, Leonard Nimoy has mentioned publicly that he did struggle with alcoholism uh, when he was filming uh, as Spock. And he checked himself into rehab and uh, and got better. And that he was helping um, William Shatner's wife when she was dealing with a lot of this. So he, he there was a lot that he did behind the scenes. He was he was a great friend. He was a feminist. He um, he did advocate for all the issues that he believed in. Um, right. Well, that's a good choice, definitely. So. Yeah. So number three. What is your number three? Well, I kind of already talked about it, but my number three is I am not Spock and I am Spock. Um, ah, nice. We talked about it in our last episode, which uh, we haven't published yet, but should be out soon, uh, uh, on um, the brief and wonder the brief wondrous life of Oscar Wow. That Ali has a hard time finishing books. Well, would you believe? That young Ali Matu um, picked up a copy of I Am Spock and I read it cover to cover and I was just hooked on this book. And it's um, so I read his latter memoir and I've read excerpts from his uh, former memoir. I am not Spock. And my favorite things about it are the conversations he has with him, Spock, his, him, him, Spock. Uh, no, the conversations he has with himself as Spock. So there are these great moments in uh, his memoir where uh, it's, you know, Leonard Nemo going, Spock, what do you think about this? And Spock goes, well, I believe that that is logical, blah, 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 blah. And there's a lot of wonderful back and forth uh, about that. And uh, I think if it's probably something a lot of people are going to pick up now. I think it's something that's going to fall off the radar for, for a lot of people. But it's uh, it's a great exploration into what it was like for him to become Spock and the impact that Spock had on his life and the impact his life had on the development of Spock. So if you haven't read it, um, pick up I Am Spock. That is an awesome pick. And I am shocked that Yanali read that cover to cover. You know, I still have it, Conrad. I still have it. Your original? I have my original from 1995 or whatever. I'm looking at it right now, and uh, I'm going to be doing this week's episode of the Psych Show is going to be on the psychology of Spock, and I'm, I'm I've, it's going to be one of my props there. So I, I've kept it with me all these years. Nice. Yeah. Um, my my number. Wait, do we? Am I on my number you're three? three? Yeah, you're um, three. So my number three is. Um, I picked this, and it's more uh, like. 
this is this is an odd choice, but um, it's surrounding the old Spock versus new Spock um, generosity and and sense of humor that Leonard Nimoy went about with the the new Star Treks. Um, and during you know when, when all this came out, everybody was just like, oh, you know, uh, Zachary Quinto, Leonard Nimoy, oh look, they're friends, isn't that cute? And then they decided <laughs> to do this Audi commercial together. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I'm not necessarily picking the commercial, but I just think that their friendship is is a moment and his generosity surrounding oh. the 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 old Spock versus new Spock. Um, and this commercial just shows that. And even when Zachary Quinto was talking about making the commercial, he's like, "Yeah, we decided to do this commercial because we really liked hanging out together, and we wanted to do that more." <laughs> and it was just it. Like, it was just like a really cute interview that he did. I think it was on NPR that Zachary Quinto did this. Um, and it was just such an odd little thing, and it just to me it embodies just what a just what a great um, sense of humor he had, and again how he was just always all in and up for anything. Yeah, and yeah. if you haven't seen it, you should definitely watch it, and I think we should probably put it in the show notes. So we'll put we'll put that in the show notes. That's so you're picking the Quinto Nimoy friendship. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Oh, but I'm using it. but I'm using the commercial as a as a highlight of that. Well, um, that- and they and they kind of like smack talk each other in the video and and <laughs> they're just kind of like going all out and just it it's really just just so excellent so go for Don't it you wish you could be like a fly in the wall when they're hanging out and I just know. uh just like kind of soak that in um well that ties in very nicely to my number two conrad um my number two pick here is the 2009 star trek film um it, it's something that you and i have discussed many times Mm -hmm. on this show as a wonderful example of how you can reboot and revitalize um, uh, a a franchise and do it in in a way that validates the show and the values and what the characters stand for. Um, I I mentioned this earlier that without Nimoy, this reboot would not have been possible at all. And um, that it's really because of his love of the character, love of Star Trek, and and desire to help it be discovered by a new generation that this all came to be. So thank you, Mr. Nimoy, for um, making Star Trek cool again and reintroducing it to to a whole new generation. Um, I really love that film, and it's a wonderful evolution of the Spock character. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I think I might watch that tonight. <laughs> oh, man. What's your number two, Conrad? Well, my number two was actually his, um, so it was similar to your behind the camera, but not quite. Mine was his other artistic endeavors. Oh, yeah. Uh, so yeah. his photography and his music and being such a supporter of the arts. Um in terms of the, I was I was incorrect. It was not um, Orthodox Jewish women because that I guess is totally, yeah, not not correct. Um, but it was religious oh, yeah, Jewish women out. that um, he did like a photo book, and he got like a lot of flack for it. And his response was basically like, "Look," and it was similar to what you were saying. He doesn't he, what he was saying to that that uh, young girl that wrote to him. Um, that no, not everybody's going to like what you want, and he he thought it was a real shame, um, you know, that people would be so negative and critical, and he was just really trying to show something a little different. 
Um, and I think that some of that was also um, he he delved into Judaism again, like rediscovered his roots later on in life. And I think that maybe this was some of a reflection of that. Um, I do understand why there was criticism probably surrounding that, but I also think that his response to it was incredibly uh, classy and mature. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, and um, it, it, it does speak to what he was saying before about if you're going to uh, do something and be different, be amazing at it. And- right, and, and you know, I do think that there's some beautiful photographs, um, and I just think overall his dedication to the arts was something that I I truly admired in him. Um, and you just saw it continuously. It's not something that he ever gave up on. It's something that he was continually involved in. Yeah. So so that's why that's my number two. But not quite. I don't think I put it quite as, as nicely as you did. So so good job, Ali. Oh, well, Conrad, we are a team. And we, you, you, I don't know who's Kirk and who's Spock, but we're. <laughs> <laughs> we I think I'm definitely, I don't know. I, don't, I think I'm more Spock. <laughs> uh, that might be true. That might be true. Which, I think I'm much more. Uh, which would make me a little bit more like Kirk. Um, maybe, maybe we're a mixture of Chekhov, Kirk, and Spock. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh man! Well, well, none of us are Scotty. I think that's to no. Be, none of us are Scotty. We might be a little her. Our partners are a little bit more Scotty than than we are. They're the engineers of of, of, all of, of our this. lives. Yeah, they, yeah, that's true. So, Godred, my number one was Wrath of Khan. This yes. leaves us with your mysterious number one pick. Um, so, my number one, um, uh, my alma, alma mater is is BU. Uh, Boston University. I know what you're going to pick. Yeah. Um, and in 2012, Leonard Nimoy was was um, asked to be a keynote speaker um, at the the graduation ceremony to the the BU students, the School of the Arts, uh, the College of Fine Arts. And the speech that he gave, um, because I am an alum, I got one of those tickers. You know when when they and they put up all the speeches of the people that give the the keynotes and things like that. Um, and of course, I was truly excited to see that he was one of the people that gave a speech. And they did actually a um, uh, they they the article wrote out his whole speech and it was really incredible. There's also a um, a video of it which we can put in the show notes. And he said really amazing things to it um, and apparently had agreed when he was asked uh, to to be the speaker he responded in about 10 minutes and he really just within Which is this, so rare for any for anybody for anybody and speech. and during the speech he talks about his roots he talks about uh, all the things that led him to where he was and it really was this speech that gave you a lot of it, it there were a lot of teaching moments within this speech and he was incredibly he looked at his own life through an incredibly critical lens as well like he did not sugarcoat things um and you know and he also talks about his struggle with alcoholism within this within this whole speech um and i don't want to go into the the whole thing uh, the whole speech, but um, and and we talked about some of the things that he touched upon in the speech in earlier parts of this particular podcast, and he it was an incredibly moving speech at the time. And in preparation for the show, I watched it again and I and I read it again, and 
I really was just so moved by it, and I do think I encourage everybody to look at it. Did you did you get to watch this when it came out? No, no. You know, it was something I did not discover actually until um, until yesterday. Um, I had never seen it. I never heard of it, and I watch excerpts from it. But um, I think I'd like to watch the whole thing. You should. Uh, um, and the, the specifically the the section he talks about creativity. Um, so I am going to read a quote from that, um, and it it's interesting because I think that it also speaks a little bit about Spock too. <laughs> but um, he said, "Our create our creativity walks on the razor's edge, using both sides of the brain. The left side of the brain gives us logic and discipline. On the right side is instinctive, creative thinking. We as artists need both." Fall to the left and we lose inspiration and originality. Fall too far to the right and we are in danger of drifting, drifting into undisciplined chaos. The secret of a long, healthy career in the arts is a successful walk on the razor's edge. Oh, wow. Which I think is beautiful. I love that. It's beautiful. And yeah. then the other thing that he said is, you are the creators of your, sorry, the curators of your own lives. You create your own life and work. Give us your best. Give us the best of your art. We crave it. We hunger for it. Um, and help us to see ourselves and to know ourselves. And, and that's um, a part that that I have seen. And, and then uh, at the very end of it, in a jokey way, he said, for the sake of our culture, for the sake of mankind, don't create any more reality TV shows. <laughs> um, and he ended it, of course, with Live Long and Prosper, uh, Prosper which was just lovely. But um, the whole speech is well worth reading and watching. And I think um, reading it, I think you should do both. But it's really... Um, he talks so much about his own life within this speech, and it's so inspiring, and it is just one of those things that really just had such an impact on me when I first heard it, and it still it still holds true. So hmm. there it is. That's a great that's a great number one, Conrad. Um, I think I'm going to do that. I think I'm going to watch and read that a little I bit later. I believe it, it may be on the BU's website. Um, they yeah. may still have it, but I'm pretty sure you can still find it on YouTube. So I'll try to find yeah. the link to the whole one and give it to you. Yeah. Well, um, those are our top fives. Uh, we've got some honorable mentions that we will um, share, but we do want to hear from all of you. Um, please let us know what are your top five Leonard Nimoy moments and um, share with us your favorite memories of this um, fantastic individual. Um, you can um what can you do you can do lots of things you can tweet at us at nerd hour um send us an email at um info at superfantasticnerdhour.com or leave a comment at superfantasticnerdhour.com at our website conrad did you have any honorable mentions um i did not other than just to say leonard nimoy is amazing so everything he did is is in my top five quite frankly so <laughs> okay um I've got I'm, I'm gonna do a blanket but go for yours because i know yours uh, is gonna be a long yeah, list bruno mars lazy song his uh stepson was um uh was the executive who signed bruno mars so you that's kind of how you mean leonard nimoy's stepson leonard nimoy's yeah. stepson yeah aaron bay uh shuck i believe is his name um and that's just a funny video it's funny to see leonard nimoy in that uh journey to babel one of my favorite star trek the original series episodes and that's when you first get introduced to spock's family um and the sort of genesis of that character and and gr- just a really great star trek episode uh-huh. uh, i wait i do have one yeah. His Simpsons cameos. 
That's what I was just about to say. Comrade. Really? That's yeah. We didn't have a well, so we had an honorable mention. Mind melt. Mo- that's never happened before. Um, Simpsons. My favorite is his monorail guest appearance. Yes, yes. Where he's, <laughs> so good. I must leave now. I've uh, in. Uh, I leave you. What does he say at the end? I've done so much for you, and he and Homer. Or someone else goes. Really? What did you? You didn't do anything. And then he goes deny. And he like beams out. It's so funny. It's so good. Uh, it's so good. And he also was on Futurama. Um, yeah. He played one of the heads. Um, so, of course, yeah, Simpsons, great mind meld there. Um, Mission Impossible. Yes. He was yeah. on the original That's Mission true. Impossible, and he was amazing on that. And, and the that last... was actually after Star Trek, the series, that, the yeah. television series, right? Yeah, absolutely, which many people don't realize. Uh, nice catch, Conrad. You're, you're impressing me here with your knowledge of Trek. Um, and the last but not least is uh, the Ballad of Bilbo Baggins. Uh, oh, that is so amazing. That is really amazing. Again, nice, I, I... nice costuming. Mr. Oh Nimoy. You know, people who, there's that big button that he wears. Yes, uh, it's so yeah. strange. <laughs> it's so strange. I, people who have not seen this, I describe it to them and they don't believe me. It's kind of like the Star Wars holiday special that people don't <laughs> yeah. believe it until they actually see it because it is hard to believe. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the, the the odd women dancing around with the ears and the yeah. like throwing their clothes around. <laughs> it's one of the weirdest things, but it's super, you should watch it. It's so it's surreal. It's so 60s. You know, it's better than watching the Hobbit films. Boom. Uh, Ooh. Ooh, boom. Dem, Dem's that. fighting words. Yeah, they are. Well, um, not really, because I kind of agree with you. <laughs> um, so, uh, Conrad, this, uh, I- I'm so glad we did this. I think I needed this. Um, you know, one of the things that Spock said, I believe this is from a, an animated series episode, is loss of life is to be mourned, but only if the life was wasted. And clearly, uh, Leonard Nimoy's life was not wasted, and he did. He lived long, and he did prosper. So I, I um, uh, thank you for the opportunity to be able to share these uh, memories and celebrate his life um, together here on the show. Definitely. And, you know, um, I am just happy that there's so much out there that we continue, continue to remember him, and I'll probably be taking a deep dive into some Star Trek this weekend. And, yeah, and, you will. Uh, you know, more so than usual, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, um, well, I, I, think, I think we should leave it and, and you, you can end the show as you normally do. I know well, you just did it, but you're going to do it again. Yeah. Um, in the words of Leonard Nimoy, uh, live long and prosper. Indeed.